As G.K. Chesterton said, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. Here on Swimming Upstream, we go against the cultural stream by championing life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. Your host is Eric Sammons, author of seven books, including Holiness for Everyone, The Old Evangelization, and Bitcoin Basics. Now let's get swimming. Welcome to episode 83 of Swimming Upstream. I'm Eric Sammons. Well, about a week ago, Bishop uh, Robert Barron had an interview with Ben Shapiro. For those who aren't sure who those two people are, let me give a quick uh, rundown. Ben Shapiro is a popular uh, conservative commentator. He's an Orthodox Jew, and he does a number of different interviews with people and has a show, I think, or something like that. I'm not a big follower of his. I, I know who he is, but I'm not... I don't know all the details of everything he does. But Bishop Barron is a well-known in Catholic circles. He is the Auxiliary Bishop of Los Angeles. But before that, he was a very popular uh, preacher and priest who produced a number of well-done uh, video uh, series. He, his ministry was called Word on Fire. I think he, it still runs. It's not like it's, I'm saying it's past tense, but it's, he's still doing these things while he's also Auxiliary Bishop of Los Angeles. But what he's most well known for is a video series, uh, Catholicism, which is a very well done series that basically explains the Catholic faith in a way that is, is very nice. It, it allows people to kind of understand the Catholic faith in a, in a, in a modern way. And I thought it was well done. He's also done a number of other uh, video series as well, including one on evangelization, which is an important point for what we're going to talk about today. Anyway, he had an uh, interview, Bishop Barron had an interview with Ben Shapiro. And it, his, one thing he said in that interview has led to a, a pretty big controversy in the Catholic world. What happened was Ben Shapiro, like I mentioned, he is a devout uh, Orthodox Jew, and he said he asked Bishop Barron, I'm a Jew. I follow the law. Can I go to heaven? So it's a pretty direct question. And uh, it's a great question, actually, because I think it's something that a lot of people want to know. What do Catholics believe about non-Catholics, whether or not they can go to heaven or not? And here's Ben Shapiro, who is friendly to the Catholic Church. He's friendly to the values, at the very least, of the Catholic Church that the Catholic Church has always defended as a conservative. So in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a great question. It's a, a great opportunity for Bishop Barron because Ben Shapiro has a very large audience of people who are going to be friendly to the Catholic Church in general. So this is a great opportunity for Bishop Barron. He said, yes, the Catholic view, go back to the Second Vatican Council, says it very clearly. I mean, Christ is the privileged route to salvation. That is the privileged route. However, Vatican II clearly teaches that someone outside the explicitly Christian faith can be saved. It might be received according to your conscience. Now, that doesn't conduce to a complete relativism. We would still say the privileged route and the route that God has offered to humanity is the route of his son. But no, you can be saved. Even Vatican II says that an atheist of goodwill can be saved. Because in following his conscience, Saint John, uh, Blessed John Henry Newman said, the conscience is the aboriginal vicar of Christ in the soul. It is, in fact, the voice of Christ. When I follow my conscience, I'm following him, whether I know explicitly or not. So even the atheists of goodwill can be saved. Okay, so that was basically what Bishop Barron, how he answered the question. Now, note that 
Bishop Barron is very well known for evangelization, and he is the uh, head, actually the Secretary of Evangelization now for the USCCB, United uh, States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So obviously evangelization is his ballywick. It's what he is an expert on. So that was his answer when, he, when a Jew asked him, I follow the law, can I go to heaven? And a lot of people had a problem with that, including myself. I had a lot of, I had a lot of problems with, with what, how he answered. My criticisms fall under two separate categories, the practical and the theological. And so what I want to do is go through each one of those criticisms and why it is I thought it was very problematic how Bishop Barron answered the, the question. Now, I want to note something. I'm not here to bash Bishop Barron. I think he does a lot of good work. I think his heart's in the right place generally. I also think that I've been, I've been interviewed enough on TV and the radio to know that sometimes you don't answer the question exactly the way uh, you, when you think about really all the way through that you would have answered. So I, I don't want to get too hypercritical about every single word he said, but I do think the fact that he is an, he's a media personality, so he should have a lot of experience in these situations giving a good answer. Plus, he's an expert on evangelization, so he should know how to answer a a basic evangelization question like this better than he did. So while I'm not trying to bash him or I'm making him out to be the enemy, at the same time, he's very open to criticism with how he answered this question. Again, I want to divide into two separate criticisms, practical and theological. First, the practical criticism. I think the biggest problem I had with Bishop Barron's answer is it simply should have been more direct. He simply rambles on and on and on with a very, from a very direct question from Ben Shapiro. And the other thing, though, is Ben Shapiro himself is a very direct person. He answers questions directly, so I, I think he wants direct answers. He doesn't want somebody to kind of dance around the issue and give a bunch of caveats and things. That's Bishop Barron's way I know generally to do that. But here's a direct question. He should be given a direct answer. Ben Shapiro can take it, and if he can't, he shouldn't be asking the question. Furthermore, Shapiro's audience should be able to take it because they're used to the direct talk of Ben Shapiro. So I would love to have been, had a more direct answer, but you never hear that today anymore from our shepherds, from our bishops. They clearly seem to be afraid to evangelize, to really directly evangelize somebody and say, hey, you should become Catholic. I think it'd be best if you became Catholic. Instead, you have all these caveats, all these things about like, yeah, it's great being Catholic, but, 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 but. No, let's just say it'd be, it's great to be Catholic, period, with no buts after it. And in fact... What do you think Ben Shapiro expected asking a Catholic bishop that question? He should expect a Catholic answer of, of that you should become Catholic, I would think. I noticed uh, when, I, when this topic has been debated this week on Twitter, I've noticed a number of people defended Bishop Barron by saying that if he had said something more direct, it would have gone over like a lead balloon. It would have been uh, not received well. I think there's a, a real problem with the fact that uh, it's a real fundamental problem we have in evangelization today is we worry too much about how something we say is going to be received. Yes, we should speak in such a way that allows people who are not of our faith to understand it and accept it as best possible. But we go way too far in that. If you look at the, how Jesus talked to people, he was very direct with people. He did not beat around the bush. He didn't give a million caveats. He simply said what he meant and meant what he said. And I think we would do well if we did the same thing in our evangelization efforts. We can't worry about, oh, if I say this, it might offend that person. If I say this, it might offend that other person. The fact is we actually don't know how people react. We think we know. I wrote about this a lot in my book, The Old Evangelization, the fact that we 
we try to predict too much how people are going to react. But what we should be doing is simply worrying about that we say things that are truthful and that are charitable. As long as we are truthful and charitable, we can't worry about what the other person says. And charitable, remember, doesn't mean always being nice, always being subtle. It simply means that we're, what we're saying is out of love for the person we're talking to. It also has to be truthful, of course. So I really think I had a problem with the fact that he wasn't more direct and didn't, and didn't, say, it didn't directly address uh, Shapiro with his question. Here's how I would have answered the, qu the question, assuming I would have thought of it at the moment and things like that. I get that. Here's how I would answer what said, I know with certainty that the only way to heaven is to be baptized and to follow Christ in the Catholic Church. I hope and pray for God's mercy for all who don't. I invite you to become Catholic, Ben. What I did there was a couple things. First is I made it very clear the path that Christ has given us, that God has given us to salvation, which is baptism and entrance into the Catholic Church and, and being a member of the Catholic Church. That's the path he's given to us. Now, I'm not saying just being a Catholic gets you into heaven. You have to be a good Catholic. You have to actually follow what the Church teaches and, and follow Christ in the Catholic Church. But the fact is that's the path he's given to us. And, I, and we'll talk about this a little more in detail in a moment the, when I get to the theological criticisms. But I'd say I hope and pray for God's mercy for all who don't. I'm not going to condemn those who aren't Catholic to hell. I'm going to leave judgment of souls to God. In fact, I'm going to pray and hope that they do make it to heaven. I want every single person to make it to heaven. I, you know, the, the scriptures say that God desires all men be saved, and so do I. Obviously, if we want to be like God, like God we want all people to be saved. But also, at the end, I would invite directly Ben to become Catholic, Ben Shapiro to become Catholic, because he's asking, you know, I'm a Jew, I follow the law, can I go to heaven? He obviously wants to go to heaven. I know the way, not because I'm smarter than he is or anything like that, but because Christ has revealed it to his church, I know the way to get to heaven, so I want to invite him to do that. So that's how I would have answered it, just saying that I know with certainty that being baptized as a Catholic and, and following the teachings of the church is the way to heaven. And I know that, and I hope and pray for all those who don't, and I invite you to become Catholic. It's simple. I mean, really, it, it, you know, that's three, what is that, three sentences, and that's all you had to say. You know, he asked, he asked a question in three sentences, you answer it in three questions. Not this long, roundabout, meandering answer talking about Vatican II. And like, people really know what Vatican II is outside the church. I mean, does Ben Shapiro even know what Vatican II is? Does he care what Vatican II is? No, he doesn't. But we act like Vatican II being the super council. We have to bring it up in every theological answer we ever give. So I just that, that's a practical criticism of what he said. Now, again, I'm criticizing him because Bishop Barron is considered the foremost evangelist in our country. He's supposed to be the new Fulton Sheen or something like that. And so you'd think he'd be able to answer a question, a very simple evangelization question, directly and simply. But yet he, he wasn't able to, I think, because... He has some theological problems with that question, which gets me to my next criticism. So that was my practical criticism is he should have been more direct. But I have theological criticisms of his answer as well. And really, there are three separate issues. The first is his comment that Jesus is the privileged route to salvation. The second is his, how he used the role of conscience in, in our salvation and the third one he didn't mention explicitly, but it applies because Shapiro is a Jew, and that is the dual covenants contra theology controversy, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, first, first theological problem. 
He calls Jesus the privileged route to uh, salvation, the route that God has given us. And so, honestly, that answer is just theologically incorrect. Jesus is not the privileged route to salvation. He is the only route to salvation. You cannot be saved except through Jesus Christ. Period. End of story. There's just no other way around it. That's it. Well, I'll talk for a minute in a minute about different ways in which Jesus might save somebody, but he's not a privileged route. He is the only route. I really have a problem with that word privilege because it suggests there are other routes. Yeah, the other routes might not be as good. They might be harder, more arduous, but there are routes to heaven. That is completely false. Now, this is a natural, Barron's answer is really a natural evolution of what has been taught over the past few decades. For the longest time, the Catholic Church always taught that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Everybody else is, is not going to go to heaven. I'm either going to go to hell. But then there was this realization that perhaps people could be saved who did not explicitly have faith in Christ. They weren't visibly part of the church, but they still were saved through Jesus Christ. And so in some way, Jesus still saves them. Now it sounds like we're saying that Jesus is only a privileged route or one route. Now, I think eventually it's going to be, if we continue this evolution, it's going to be that Jesus is just one way among many, which, of course, is what a lot of people believe today, that Jesus is one way to heaven among many, that you could be a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Jew or even an atheist, and you can get to heaven, you can get to God, and Jesus is just one of those many ways. And this is really comes out of what was called the anonymous Christian movement back in the 60s, I think it was, when it was really, in the 70s and when it really blew up. That's the idea that there are anonymous Christians in the world, meaning people who don't know Christ, don't know anything about Christianity, but yet are Christians in their heart because they follow their conscience. We'll talk about the conscience in a minute. They follow their conscience. They follow the, the, the natural law, so to speak. And so therefore, they really are Christians because they knew about Christ, really knew about him. They would be explicitly Christian. But there's so many problems with that. We just don't, we're saying things that we don't know, frankly. We know with certainty how to follow Jesus Christ in this earth. That's what we should be promoting. That's the only thing we should be promoting. Those who are not following Christ explicitly in the Catholic Church, those people we hope and pray for and we evangelize. But we don't talk about, we don't emphasize the fact that, that they might be able to get to heaven. We're emphasizing that we know you can get to heaven by being a faithful Catholic. And so this idea of Jesus as a privileged route to heaven, I just think has to be rejected completely. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, think of the best possible spin for Bishop Barron in saying it like that. I mean, I think what he's saying is, is that if you follow Christ, you will get to heaven. And if you don't follow Christ, you could get to heaven. Okay. I mean, I guess that's technically true. But I just think that language of privilege route is so problematic. And frankly, I think you, would, you could almost say it's heretical. Maybe you could say it's heretical. I'm, I'm hedging my bets. Maybe I shouldn't. It really is because... He's, because if you say privilege route, you are, you are assuming there are other routes, and there are not other routes. The only way into heaven is through Jesus. He is the doorway into heaven. Okay, so that's my first theological problem with it. So I had a practical criticism. My first of my three uh, theological criticism is his use of the term privilege route for Jesus uh, for salvation. The second 
issue I had with him theologically with what Bishop Barron answered is his use of the role of conscience when he talks about the role of conscience. Now, it is true that we are obligated to follow our conscience. We are not uh, we are not to go against our conscience because conscience is a guide that God gives us, that put, he puts into our hearts so that we can follow him. And so we definitely should follow our conscience. You know, one of my favorite saints of all time is blessed John Henry Newman. And he talked a lot about conscience. I also want to say, this is a, a quick aside, I don't think any theologian has been more abused than, than blessed John Henry Newman. Newman's views on the development of doctrine, of course, are famous, and we see that the, the idea of development of doctrine is so abused today where it becomes any new idea we call a development now, when really a development is not just some new idea that we might have this week about what we want to teach, i.e. like the death penalty, something like that. Also, this idea of conscience has been abused as well. And I think that Bishop Barron, frankly, is abusing it a little bit here. Because conscience is not an infallible guide. We are responsible to form our conscience. So he says, uh, a quote from Bishop Barron is he says, When I follow my conscience, I'm following him. That's actually not correct. It'd be more, it's, more, it's correct to say, when I follow my properly formed conscience... I'm following him. It's a very important uh, uh, distinction there that we're, I'm having here. It's not just that when you follow your conscience, you're following Christ. It's when you follow your properly formed conscience, you're following Christ. If our conscience is wrong, is wrongly formed, we must change it. In fact, we're obligated to change it and we must, or we'll suffer the consequences. In fact, let me pull up this uh, quote from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph 1791. It's talking about conscience and says, and it's talking about uh, a conscience that's ignorant of something it should be knowledgeable about. It says, this ignorance can often be imputed to personal responsibility. This is the case when a man takes little trouble to find out what is true and good, or when conscience is by degrees almost blinded through the habit of committing sin. In such cases, the person is culpable for the evil he commits. And so if you have a bad conscience, a poorly formed conscience, be, for whatever reasons, you know, the, the, the catechism mentions be, uh, blind, blinded through the habit of committing sin. That's the number one way we, we, we blind our conscience is through committing sin. Or we just simply don't bother to form it. Well, when that happens, following our conscience isn't a good thing. We need to form our conscience better so that we really are following Christ. So I think... Bishop Barron overemphasizes this view of conscience in his answer. He gives it uh, too much of a uh, infallible, infall makes it too much of an infallible guide when it's not an infallible guide. Yes, we we should follow our conscience at all times, but we must properly form our conscience. So I think that was a poor way to answer it because really, when he just says blankly, "When I follow my conscience, I'm following him." That's just simply not a true statement because your conscience could tell you, yeah, it's okay to commit adultery because you've, you've buried it. You, you've basically uh, malformed your conscience so much that it's telling you things, it's telling you things that are, are bad or good and vice versa. And so that's another point I want to make. That's my, my second theological criticism of what Bishop, how Bishop Barron answered the question. Okay, now the third theological criticism I have of what Bishop Barron says. It wasn't directly addressed by him, but I think it exists in what he's saying. 
And I don't know if Bishop Barron explicitly abides by the dual covenant, the, uh, abides by dual covenant theology, but it, I feel like he might based upon his answer to Shapira, who is a Jewish person. Now, real quick, what is dual covenant theology? It's the idea that both covenants, the old and the new, are still in effect. And so anybody who follows either of those two covenants will be saved. And so simply the, the idea is that if you're, so Ben Shapiro, who is a practicing Jew who follows the law, he can be saved through that. Because somebody who lived, for example, before the time of Christ, who did what Ben Shapiro does now, would, we would all, all Catholics, all Christians would agree that that person would be saved. But now we're saying that that's no longer the case. Those who don't abide by dual covenant theology. For a long time, it was taught that the old covenant was abrogated, was probably the word that was most often used. And of course, the word abrogated means replaced, uh, taken away, uh, superseded, whatever the case might be. However, in recent decades in Catholic theology, there's been that really that idea has has gone on off to the wayside. In fact, I would argue that many Catholic theologians, including many bishops, do not abide by that idea. In fact, they, they hold to a dual covenant theology, if not explicitly, then implicitly. I know that from experience, actually, because I wrote a uh, book on a Catholic high school textbook on uh, world religions, on ecumenism and ecumenical and uh, interreligious dialogue, and my section on the Jewish people was was um, shot down by the USCCB because I basically didn't abide by dual covenant theology in it. And so I would say that, and, and the, the basis of, of dual covenant theology, by the way, is the idea that God's promises can never be broken. So the promises he made in the Old Testament aren't broken and they're still applied to people today. I would say it's probably best not to say that the Old Covenant was abrogated, I would say that the Old Covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's the terminology Jesus uses, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. He talks about fulfilling the law, fulfilling that covenant. And what that means is, is that it's not that, that God broke the promises he made in the Old Covenant. No, he fulfilled those promises in Jesus Christ. So he is the one way now, and he is the only way. And so following the, the law, the Jewish law, is not uh, what is needed for salvation today, but instead the way you follow the Jewish law is by following Jesus Christ. So when Shapiro says, I'm a Jew, I follow the law, can I go to heaven? I would argue you actually don't follow the law in its current form, in the way that God wants you to follow it. Because following the law as it is today would be following Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The way we follow the law is to follow Jesus Christ. And so I just, uh, dual covenant theology is heretical. Uh, there's no other way to put it. But it's very common among Catholic bishops, among Catholic priests, among Catholic theologians, and among many Catholics. The idea that, you can, that a Jew does not need to be, uh, to, to, to change their religion to Catholicism in order to be saved. You see this uh, you know, Pope Benedict even, uh, not that long ago, he said something else about this, where he talks in a way that I think suggests, I don't think Pope Benedict abides by dual covenant theology, but he definitely is sympathetic to it, if nothing else. He seems to suggest we should do nothing to evangelize the Jewish people. Although, I think what he's really saying is we should, our efforts to evangelize Jewish people should, is very different 
than our efforts to evangelize anybody else. And I think that's very true because the fact is that the Jews are the elder brother in the faith. They do have, they do follow the original covenant that has been fulfilled in Christ. They, 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 they follow it as it was before it was fulfilled. And so I think how we evangelize the Jewish people is very different from how we would evangelize other people. That doesn't mean we would say it's okay just to remain Jewish. Because it's not. I mean, really, all people, if they're not Catholic, shouldn't remain. It's not okay for them to remain the way they are. They need to become Catholic. Just that's, that's the way it is. So that's my third criticism of Bishop Barron's. I think he is suggesting a dual covenant theology in his answer, uh, which, is, which is not correct. That really he should have made it more clear that, that Shapiro needs to become Catholic, that being Jewish is not enough. Okay, one last thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to uh, what Bishop Barron said is, I think uh, Shapiro's question is very similar to the rich young man's. I want to thank um, uh, a blogger I read who, who brought this up. I think it was a good point. Eric uh, Yarb, wait a minute. I'm going to mispronounce his last name. It's Y-B-A-R-R-O. Anyway, I, I, I'd link to, I'll try to link to his article on the show notes for this episode. But he brought up the similarity between Shapiro's question and the question of the rich young man that we find in the Gospels. And it really is striking the similarity. I want to read to you what the rich young man asked Jesus. He said, As he was saying on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. So let me take a quick pause right there. So it's, this ritual man is a lot like Ben Shapiro. He's basically, I follow the law. Is that enough to get into heaven? I mean, the rich young man seems to know that's not enough, and perhaps Shapiro does as well. So how does Jesus answer Ben Shapiro or the rich young man? Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, the next passage, uh, the next verse is, is a sad one where it says, In saying this, the rich young man's countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. That's from Mark chapter 10, 17 through 22. So Jesus is telling him that following the commandments is not enough for salvation. If it was, there would be no need for Jesus to come. The whole point of the incarnation is the law is not enough. And that needs to be stated very clearly by every Catholic. Shapiro is saying, I follow the law. Is that enough to get to heaven? The answer is no. If, it, if the answer wasn't no, what's the point of Jesus? What's the point of the incarnation? What's the point of him dying on the cross and rising from the dead? The law is not enough. I mean, that's what St. Paul's whole point was in all of his letters, is the law alone is not enough. And Jesus says that very clearly here. He tells him, you have to give up everything for me. You have to follow Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get to heaven is to follow him. And so that goes beyond the commands to the deeper issue that it's faith in Christ that saves us, not faith alone in in the Protestant sense. I don't mean that, but faith that leads to hope and to love, faith that leads to following Jesus with our whole life. We need Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. The Gospels clearly state that. He's not a privileged way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is always necessary for salvation. We, we can really think of Jesus as the door to heaven, that he is the one 
who brings us into heaven. And we, we can't enter into heaven except for through Jesus. There's literally only one door into heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. He gave us a clear method to follow him as well. And, and you know, this is one of the things that, that kind of bothers me. Is I saw this on Twitter a lot, and I, I heard this a lot when I was a di- di- uh, director of evangelization for a diocese. A lot of Catholics thought, said something to this effect, which is, well, only God can judge us whether or not we go to heaven or not. And what they meant by, and that's a true statement, but what they meant by that was we have no idea knowing how he judges, so we're just going to throw up our hands and hope for the best. That Basically, it's just up to him, and, you know, I'm sure if we're good, we'll get to heaven. That's completely not true. God revealed to us the way in which he judges. That's the key point. Yes, only God can judge, but he told us how he will judge. So we know when we die and on that final day, we know exactly how it is that he will judge people. He will judge them based upon their faith, their hope, and their love of Christ and of their neighbor. If we don't have faith in God, we don't have faith in Christ, we don't have hope in, in, in what God has promised us, and if we don't love him and through him our neighbor, then we cannot get to heaven. That's just the way it is. Jesus Christ is that centerpiece that gets us into heaven. So just throwing up our hands and saying, well, you know, it's up to God to judge. Well, yes, but again, I'll say it one more time. He told us how he is going to judge. And that means what we need to do is tell people, you need to be baptized. You need to become a member of the Catholic Church, which is the body of Christ. That's how you, I said that Jesus is the door that gets you into heaven. Well, how do we go through that door? We go through that door through baptism, by entering into his body, becoming united with Christ. That's how we, we are saved. So we, let's not throw up our hands and act like, oh, we don't really know how God will judge us, but, you know, it's all up to him. We'll just leave it to him. And I'm sure he'll do it like I would do it, which is, you know, if you're a good person, if you're not Hitler or Stalin, you're in. Or Trump, I guess some people would say today. Uh, okay. One last point I want to make, and that is, are there exceptions to this rule? I mean, I, I've made it clear there aren't, but I just, I know people still want to know, are there exceptions? You know, I have a relative who is not Catholic, perhaps, or I know somebody, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody in Africa who's never heard of Jesus. You know, what about that person? Well, if there's a really good person living in the Middle East who grew up Muslim, only knows the Islam faith, what about them? Well, the Catholic Church has always taught and always believed that outside the church, there is no salvation. I'll say it again. Outside the church, there's no salvation. You cannot get to heaven unless you're a member of the church. There are no exceptions to this. The church is the body of Christ, is the boat in the storm. Okay, saying that, I will also say that the Catholic Church has also always left open the possibility that somebody could be a member of the church in a non-visible way. That somebody could be a, 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 a member of that church that brings salvation in a way in which is not the visible way that he's calling each one of us to do. And so that is possible. And so there could be people who are not Catholic who will be saved. I mean, that is definitely possible. That's what we hope for. That's what we want. It's not that we want only Catholics to be saved. We want people who are non-Catholic to be saved as well. So it is possible somebody is a member of the church in some non-visible way that's only visible to God. God will be the one to judge a person's culpability. That being said, however, we can't bank on that. We must follow what Jesus taught us. We can't just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, since we know that God, you know, some people could be saved who aren't explicitly Catholic, I'm not going to worry about preaching the good news to them, preaching the gospel and telling them to become Catholic. 
That's not what we do. In fact, there's a direct relationship between this rise of believing the anonymous Christian, the idea that people can be easily saved outside of the quote-unquote privilege drive of Jesus Christ, and the decline of evangelization that's occurred over the past 40, 50 years. There's a reason for that. The re- if you look at the writings of somebody like, or the life of somebody like St. Uh, Francis Xavier, you will see, and, or St. Isaac Jogues, or somebody like that, you will see the reason they were missionaries is because they were afraid of hell for those they were ministering to. St. Isaac Jogues went through everything he went through to the New World because he was afraid that if he did not, the people in North America would go to hell. That's, that's what he believed. We might look at that simplistic. We might look at that as uh, maybe incorrect or something like that. But I think we should look at St. Isaac Jokes, who's a saint, as the model of something the way we should act as well. We should do all we can to evangelize our friends, our neighbors, our family members, those around us, and tell them very explicitly, very directly that they need to, to become Catholic. Now, we should do it in a way, obviously, it's charitable not in a way that is uh, going to push them away and not like in an annoying way that just tells them every second of the day. But when they directly ask us a question about heaven, like, for example, Ben Shapiro did to Bishop Barron, we answer directly, and we tell them exactly what the Catholic Church teaches, what it is we believe. And that is something, that's what our focus should be. Our focus shouldn't be on all the potential, quote-unquote, loopholes that could get somebody into heaven by making them a member of the church in some non-visible way. Instead, we should be focused on the, the, the main way that he gave, the only way he gave us, which is the only way he gave us, which is through the Catholic Church. I almost just fell into the heresy of the privileged way when I said the main way. It's not the main way. It's the only way, and that is through the Catholic Church. So we can be, again, just to recap, we can be certain that there is a way to heaven and that it has been revealed to us. And that way is uh, baptism in the Catholic Church and becoming Catholic. We can hope on God's mercy for those of us, for those who are, those who are not visible members of the Catholic Church. We can hope for their salvation. We're not going to damn them to hell. That's the responsibility of God to decide where they will go after they die. But we, since we know with certainty, why not promote that as the way in which we tell people to get to heaven? I think that's what we need to do. That's what Bishop Barron should have done to Ben Shapiro. And that's what all of us should do in our own lives, maybe not on such a big stage, but just in our daily life. Okay, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. I think I covered all the main issues here. Obviously, I could go on for hours on something like this, but I think that kind of covers the main issues. Uh, you know, I've been talking about this a lot on Twitter, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at... Eric R. Sammons, that's E-R-I-C-R-S-A-M-M-O-N-S. You can also follow me on Facebook. Uh, I'm Eric R. Sammons there as well. You can just search on Swimming Upstream or Eric Sammons Swimming Upstream, something to that effect. And feel free to follow me on that. Also, you can always go to my website. It's ericsammons.com and check out the latest articles and different things I've been up to and you know, different books I've been writing. One, the topics I talked about today are, are brought up a number of times in the old evangelization, the book I wrote for, uh, that was published by Catholic Answers. So I'd recommend that book to you, uh, the old evangelization. You can find it at Amazon or at Catholic Answers. Uh, that's catholic.com. Uh, if, if you're interested in ways in which we can, practical ways we can evangelize so we can preach the good news of the Catholic Church as the, as the way to salvation. Okay, well, that's it for today's show. Until next time, keep swimming against the stream.